What's up, y'all? This is John Lawrence, and this is episode 105 of Anesthesia Guidebook, The Impact of Precepting on Clinical Learning with Jennifer Hyden. This episode is coming out on February 21st, 2024. Jennifer Hyden is completing her Doctor of Nursing Practice in Anesthesiology at the University of Arizona, and this podcast is part of her doctoral work. In this episode, we're going to walk through the behaviors, tips, and techniques preceptors can do in order to positively impact the clinical learning outcomes of anesthesia residents. Jennifer wants to hear about your experiences, either as an anesthesia trainee or as a clinical preceptor in the survey that is attached to this episode. The link is in the show notes. It's a quick survey, totally anonymous, and will be used to help Jennifer complete her doctoral project at the University of Arizona. Prior to anesthesia training, Jennifer worked in medical, surgical, and cardiac ICUs for eight years on both the East and West Coast. Prior to nursing school, Jennifer completed a bachelor's degree in finance from Boston University and lived in Colorado for almost 20 years, hiking, running, and climbing in the mountains. She currently lives in Temecula, California, and has been working through anesthesia school as a single mom to her 14-year-old son. She still enjoys climbing, running, and spending time with her son and all their animals. I hope that you enjoy this show. The mission of Anesthesia Guidebook is to help you master your craft as a provider. The art and science of clinical precepting is foundational to raising the next generation of highly competent providers. I'm thrilled to take a fresh look at precepting with Jennifer, and you can find lots of other shows on Anesthesia Guidebook that touch on clinical education with links to each of these in the show notes to this episode. And if you'd like to get the show notes to these podcasts straight to your inbox, along with being the first to know when a new episode drops, subscribe to the show on the website. All that does is send you the episode in show notes, nothing more and with no hidden agenda. It's totally free and I will never sell or distribute your email. So if you want to be the first to know and have all the links right at your fingertips, subscribe to the show at anesthesiaguidebook.com. And with that, let's get to the show. Well, Jennifer Hyden, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you today. Oh, I'm super happy to be here. This is a a topic I'm really passionate about. Nice. So I want to know what got you interested in this topic? Um, Well, absolutely. So I am a living, breathing example of my DMP project. I spent the last, you know, year and a half or so at many different clinical sites, and I've had really different learning experiences at all of them, not specifically related to the types of surgeries I'm exposed to. I realized pretty early on that my clinical experiences were noticeably more positive when I was being educated in a way that was kind of supportive and kind and felt safe to me. Also, like my clinical learning skills improved and I became more confident when I was assigned to a preceptor that I felt comfortable discussing my strengths and weaknesses with and what we could do to improve my practice. I would definitely say communication between myself and my preceptor about what our goals were at the beginning of the day was extremely helpful, but it didn't occur um, as often as, you know, I wished it would, which, you know, was one of the things that got me interested in this topic. If I was assigned to a preceptor that I felt, you know, may not have wanted to be in the position or the uh, learning environment wasn't maybe as supportive or... I don't know, I guess as comfortable for me as I needed it to be, I would notice my stress level would rise a lot 
And I actually feel like it really could affect my performance in the OR. And I just wouldn't feel as comfortable asking questions, trying procedures more than once, that sort of thing. And then finally, speaking with uh, other members of my cohort, I found that my experiences at my different clinical sites were definitely shared among a lot of us with the preceptor assignments being one of the single most stressful things that we could experience or that could provide us with a lot of positivity. So I started a DNP project doing a lot of uh, research on this subject and adult learning and all of those things. And it kind of took off from there. Yeah, it's really interesting. I would completely agree with you that the relationship you have with your preceptor has such a profound impact on your experience in the clinical environment. So I think you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, it can either make your day or it can break your day. And a lot of it depends on that other person. Cause I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're on a learning curve, you're showing up and you're trying to do your thing and you're ironing out things that you don't know and that you're not good at, but you're, you're slowly getting better. So there is, there's part of it that's dependent on upon you, but you're also kind of the same person all the way along and you can have a great day one day and then a horrible day the next day, depending on who you're with. So there's a lot of that experience that's pinned towards the skill set of the preceptor. So I'm looking forward to chatting with you about this today. So you've done the deep dive in the literature. You've taken a look at, you know, what the science says about this relationship in clinical environments. What kinds of preceptor behaviors have been described uh, to either have a negative or positive effect on learning for anesthesia residents? So that's a great question. Some of the things that are really, really important are how a preceptor support can tremendously kind of bolster a student's self-esteem and confidence levels, which is really kind of a fundamental thing for learning. Speaking, of course, just for myself, but in general, I think when you feel confident as a student, you're much more likely to, you know, ask questions, kind of take on some challenges, maybe engage in clinical tasks or you know, try new ways of doing things, whether it be, you know, using a different blade for intubation or trying a different form of emergence or anything in terms of developing your critical thinking skills that you might not be willing to do if you're, you know, with a, in a situation where you feel that might not be appropriate or supported. So when you do have the backing of your preceptors, I I feel like, you know, it, it really helps tremendously our clinical learning progression. Another thing that is really helpful is encouragement. Even just the smallest little bit of, hey, you did a good job on that, or hey, I noticed today when you came in that, you know, you know, you checked all these things and you set up the way that, you know, I like, or, you know, hey, I, I guess you've been practicing with this. You did a great job today. Any of those kind of just just the smallest little bit of encouragement, you know, since we're all kind of stressed and nervous and learning and new can really, really help with motivational levels and I think probably lead to better outcomes um, in general. Preceptors who understand that communication is very much a two-way street and that at the beginning of a day, it can be really helpful to discuss expectations on the part of both the student and the preceptor. I have found that continuously to be one of the ways that is a very, very helpful and encouraging way to start the day because then you kind of both have an idea of, hey, where do we want this day to go? You know, the student can kind of say, hey, I feel like, 
you know, maybe these things that there's room for growth and the preceptor can say, okay, that's great. You know, maybe we can try this today or this tomorrow. So I feel like, you know, discussing expectations, um, whether it's just for the next case you have or whether it's for the day can be extremely, extremely helpful. Another thing that I think is super important and it's interesting because after all of the clinical experience I've been at, one of my most recent experiences this wonderful preceptor that I was working with was talking to me about how she had been an adult teacher in other subjects. And she said the most important thing she learned, which I I just thought was fantastic, was that every single student is different. Every student comes with a different way that they learn things, with a different background in what cases they've already experienced, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. And she said she has found that the most kind of effective thing that she can do as a preceptor is to adapt her teaching style to the learning skills of the student. And I just, I thought that was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's really insightful for her to think about actually looking at who's in front of her in terms of the clinical learner and adapting her style to meet that person's needs. It's, I think it's really a sign of maturity in the, in the clinician to say, if I want to be the best clinical educator how do I tailor my skill set and my communication pattern to meet the learner in the best way possible? That reminds me of one of the concepts that I've thought a lot about in terms of precepting is that it's a it's a skill set in itself. We all train to be anesthesia providers and we train to be really good clinicians, but no one really along the way teaches us how to be a clinical educator. And that comes with its own skill set. So just because you're a great CRNA does it necessarily mean that you're going to be a great clinical preceptor? That would be like the halo effect in terms of biases and thinking about like, oh, I'm really good at intubating or airway or cardiac cases. So I must be great at teaching these things. And that's not necessarily the case. Like you actually have to develop a skill set in being an educator and being a communicator. So those are just two different things that people have to think about. Oh, I, I agree tremendously. And that's, that also brings me to a thought that I had as you were talking, which is some of the best preceptors I've had have not been the most skilled or, you know, had the most years behind them as a CRNA. Of course, it's great to have a mix of both the clinical knowledge and, you know, kind of the adult teaching skills, but there have been a number of preceptors that were even, you know, somewhat new to the profession that were absolutely wonderful. And it was funny, a kind of a common thread that I did talk to some of them about because, you know, whenever I have a preceptor that I feel like, you know, is supportive and wonderful, I always make sure to tell them so they know and that it's positive feedback for them. Many of them had educated in a different part of their life or had maybe taught in nursing school or something like that and had said, you know, you it, teaching adult learners is, is just a totally separate and different skill. And I have found it to be just incredibly wonderful when I meet preceptors that have that background as well, or that have sought out additional teaching when they were realizing that they were going to be precepting because there, I know there are facilities and there are, as this is becoming a bigger thing in nurse anesthesia, there are facilities that do provide their CRNAs with preceptor training. And I think that's one of the things that is just, it's incredibly important to be effective. Yeah, that's fantastic. What kind of outcomes relating to clinical skills are 
being seen in the hospital setting as a result of preceptor's teaching methods. So depending upon those skill sets, does the literature show various outcomes in terms of learners? So one of the things about clinical skills in the hospital setting as a result of preceptor's teaching methods are that a few of the things that are really important are for preceptors to allow students to make mistakes, just certainly just in a safe environment, but in terms of being able to allow students to have their own experiences and guide them through that supportively. For instance, as an example, a student learning to intubate. A lot of the research shows that students actually learn more sometimes when they don't do it perfectly the first time. And preceptors that are able to kind of stand by, make sure that safe practice is happening, but instead of coming in and taking over or changing kind of the dynamic there, being able to say, okay, you know, let's let's talk about this. Like, what's not working for you right now? What can we try differently? Let me show you what works for me. And then, you know, if you want to try it that way, then that's, that's great. Um, if not, we can look at something else. So allowing students to have their own hands-on experience has been something that's been shown to be very effective. And it also gives students more confidence because we're harder on ourselves than anybody is. And when we make mistakes, I think I can probably speak for a lot of us, we feel worse than anybody else is probably going to make us feel. So we want to try to fix those things ourselves if we can. So certainly hands-on experience is great. Another thing that has been shown to be really effective is to kind of stand back and as students grow more through school, to start letting students make the decisions. It's a kind of a unique practice and one of the wonderful things I think about anesthesia school that it is that it's that art. Everybody does it different. Like coming to the end of my education here, it's amazing to me that I can do a a case 10 times with 10 different preceptors and they do it completely different, which is I think something that's so wonderful, but it can be hard for a student to do a case with a new preceptor who might have certain expectations about how they do the case. And one of the other things that that wonderful preceptor that I've worked with has told me is, she said, what I do is I say, listen, you're going to be practicing independently and I want to support you doing that. I'm sure you've seen many different ways to do this. I'm going to tell you kind of what I do and I'm going to let you either incorporate that, incorporate some of it, incorporate none of it, and I'm going to let you do your thing. If I perceive that there's an issue or that there's something that wouldn't be safe, of course I'm here and I'm going to step in. But if not, I'm going to start to let you kind of find your way instead of putting you in the box of like, you need to do this exactly the way I'm doing it. So in a way, I guess both of the things I'm saying kind of say, give students the freedom to grow in their clinical skills and be there as a support system uh, more than anything else. Yeah, that's great. It reminds me of some other research that's shown one of the biggest satisfiers for CRNAs and really for providers in general is having autonomy in your practice. It's it's having the decision-making authority, the ability to come up with a plan and execute that plan. So for the preceptors that are listening or for the future preceptors that are listening, if you, you know, in as much as you value the ability to kind of do your own thing, just remember that that's what your students are looking for. It's not that they don't need you or want you there or that you can't add to their knowledge base by showing them your way. But the more you let them do something, the 
the faster they're going to learn it and the more they're going to figure it out on their own. So they're looking for that autonomy just as much as you are. So what have you learned about some of the ways that we can help preceptors or maybe even thinking a couple of layers deeper, clinical coordinators and even program directors address how to support the art and science of clinical precepting? So as I said earlier, each student learns differently. There's a lot of research that discusses different ways for preceptors to kind of learn diverse teaching strategies that cater to different learning styles like I was talking about earlier. Effective preceptors, I think in terms of learning how to adapt qualities that will help with teaching, such as patience, approachability, the ability to give and receive constructive feedback, can all be either taught in classes at universities, at hospitals, at there are, I believe you discussed it in an earlier podcast, there's very little requirement for preceptors, CRNAs that become preceptors to teach. And that's something that is continually being researched because it absolutely seems to be the case that the more education that CRNAs that are planning on precepting or it's part of their job description at their facility, the more education that they avail themselves of, they have much more successful outcomes with their students. So that's that's kind of one way that CRNAs can become more effective by educating themselves either through their university or through online classes. Uh, Additional ways that they can become more successful is that they can ask for feedback from their students and they can also watch other CRNAs precepts that have more experience teaching. I know that that a facility that I was at recently, there was a few CRNAs that had experience in teaching and they actually had newer CRNAs come in the room when I was being precepted by somebody who had more experience. So they could kind of say, hey, this is what we're kind of looking for. They were two first and second year out of school CRNAs and they said, you know, we just want you to kind of see how we precept the culture that we're trying to have here as a positive one between the students and their preceptors. And they felt that to be a very effective method. Like I said, one of the things to me that has only been part of my precepting experiences once or twice has been that preceptors can ask students, how did I do today? It's very much kind of a written thing, or in, I think most students have to get evaluated at the end of every day or week or whatever your school guidelines say by your preceptor. What's missing is that the preceptor does not get feedback from the student. And I think a lot of students, being that we're new in this small environment of anesthesia across the country, I think a lot of students are reluctant to say anything like, hey, I had a great day, but you know, maybe these things could, we could work on this part of communication between each other or whatever that would help in the future. I think some of the research that I have read shows that if there was a little bit more of a two-way street with both the preceptor and the student getting feedback from each other, that can really help the dynamic of a relationship. Yeah, I love what you said about CRNAs watching other CRNAs precept or getting feedback on their precepting skills from both their students and maybe even other CRNAs. It reminds me of Anders Ericsson's 
thoughts on deliberate practice. He's the guy that did the research. He's a clinical psychologist uh, who did the research that Malcolm Gladwell pulled from when he talked about 10,000 hours is around the average of time it takes to develop true expertise in a domain. Yeah, so Erickson, he studied folks like violinists, dancers, and chess players. And what he found was that it's not just 10,000 hours of doing an activity, but it's 10,000 hours of deliberate practice where you actually sequentially try to add skills to your to your game, to your abilities. And one of the most effective ways of doing that is having a coach provide feedback. It's having someone else look at what you're doing and give feedback in the way that you're doing it. So I think about, you know, if you're a CRNA and you're wanting to learn new skills or wanting to pick up new techniques from doing things, whether it's clinical skills or precepting skills, go hang with some of your other CRNA buddies, get in the OR and just, you know, sit quietly off to the side and watch how they teach a student, watch how they work with students, watch how they do a case. And you might pick up new insights or new ways of describing things or uh, communicating about different skill sets that might be really helpful. I, I think that is absolutely true and really fantastic and relevant because one of the circumstances that I was involved in that was very similar to what you were just talking about was kind of a big teaching moment for students is induction. And I had a preceptor who was very experienced and absolutely fantastic and supportive. And she was with me at the beginning of the case and we did the induction in the case. And then the next case we did, she actually had another CRNA come in and say, okay, I want you to kind of watch while I go through this. And at the end of the day, I actually talked to the other CRNA who said, wow, like I, I got some great pointers from that. I do things completely different. And watching her, I can see where I probably make the student very nervous. She said, I watched her body posture, how she kind of, she was there, but she wasn't she was kind of standing back a little. And when there was a little bit of a struggle, she kind of said, hey, that's okay. You got this. You're safe. It's okay. Like she just was so kind of helpful and supportive. And I think that had the CRNA not actually stood and watched that, who knows when that realization would have come or if it would have. So I think it was great. Yeah. I think that we naturally struggle to have a really good self-perception of ourselves. We think we're doing things top notch. We think we're the best, right? We think we're the greatest and it's hard to step back and really get an accurate perception of the way that you carry yourself and the way that you interact with other people. But watching a situation that you're very familiar doing. So as a CRNA, like teaching a anesthesia resident how to intubate, you you have done that so many times, right? But then watching someone else do it, you go, oh, that's so interesting because I know in this moment, I would do something totally different for better or worse, right? You might come away and go, I'm a pretty good preceptor because that person just like, there's no way I would, I would approach it like that. Or you might see someone do things that you're like, wow, they, they're actually yeah, I probably would have been a little bit more controlling or would have cut in earlier and taken over the airway faster or been more condescending or gruff. And that person got through that airway management episode and it looks like the SRNA learned a lot and is still in the right frame of mind. They're not so stressed out from a domineering preceptor interaction that they're able to continue to do the case. And it seems like Maybe they're having an enjoyable experience. Maybe I can adjust the way that I communicate with students. So it's very interesting. Anything else that you want to say in terms of how 
clinical sites or programs can support clinical educators in developing their preceptor skills? Yeah, I would say there's a few things. So some of the research has found that when a CRNA joins a practice or is in a practice and they are either they don't have a background in education or they might not want to educate. Um, Not everybody wants to be a preceptor and that's okay. I think that one of the things that hospitals can do or anesthesia groups is kind of pay attention to that. It's okay if somebody maybe doesn't want to be a preceptor or maybe they want to be a preceptor a little bit less and to respect that as well. Because it's it's not something that everybody wants to do. And generally, educational experiences provide better outcomes when everybody's a willing participant, so to speak. That's just across all disciplines. So I think that that's really important at first. The second thing is, I think offering their preceptors education, whether it be in the form of doing online training, whether the facilities offer some sort of, even if it's just a half day or a full day, there has been research shown that preceptors spend a day learning about being an adult teacher and come out of it at the end of the day and just say, wow, I feel so much more equipped to do this and to kind of tailor, again, my teaching to the learner. And I just didn't know some of these things ahead of time. So offering education and really supporting giving CRNAs the time to take this education. Again, giving preceptors and their students the space to have that communication between themselves. And if it's possible for the facility to do this, and and some facilities do this, I know, if there is a great team dynamic between a student and a preceptor, then if it works, to keep those two together. Having consistency with one preceptor has also been shown in the research to be very successful, and it's a a really good dynamic between the two. Because as a student anesthesia learner, as everybody knows, one day to the next, you can be doing the same cases and you you'll try to do the case the way you did it the day before, and your current preceptor that day might say, no, 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 I, I don't... I don't do that. I don't want you to do that. And then, okay, then the next day comes and the same thing can happen over and over. But if you are with somebody that you feel comfortable with and you're learning well and your clinical skills are improving, if it's possible, again, to keep that dynamic as much as you can, then that's something that the literature shows supporting. And I would just say, finally, any facility that is a learning facility for SRNAs to make sure that the students have a voice as well. I think we've, we're really doing a good job getting away from that subordinate, insubordinate, the hierarchy of a preceptor and the student. Because again, as you mentioned in another podcast, we're all going to be working together. We're going to be coworkers. We're going to be sharing each other's time and learning from each other for many, many years to come. And I think making that dynamic between the student and the preceptor more as equals has always been shown to be very effective in the research as well. Yeah, you said so many great things in there. Your comment about having consistency with preceptors caught my attention. It's something that we do at Maine Medical Center here in Portland, Maine. So I worked for three years or so as our SRNA clinical coordinator prior to becoming the chief CRNA at Maine Medical Center. And one of the things that we've done for the last several years is pair up our first year brand new SRNAs, like from day one in the OR, 
the first two months, which we're in that period right now, they started in early January. So January, February of this year, for the first two months of their clinical experience, each SRNA works with a team of CRNAs that numbers no more than four to six CRNAs. We found that that's, you know, we're a group of about 100 CRNAs. We've got 30 operating rooms on our main campus. And we keep them on our main campus. We keep them within general anesthesia cases. So we're not rotating them to specialty cases or getting them out to do regional or spinals or OB or all that kind of stuff. But we keep them with that small number of CRNAs, small relative to our group, so that they can have that consistency day to day. The CRNA is not relearning where the SRNA is from day to day or week to week. Four to six kind of covers the schedule Monday through Friday. It allows for some inconsistency with you know individual schedules, but it keeps the group small enough to where you develop that consistency and you say, okay, last week when we were working on airway management, we talked about this. And so now let's focus it in this way uh, today. So it really kind of consolidates the exposure of that SRNA. It helps them develop relationships with the CRNAs. And obviously, like we've picked out CRNAs who are stoked to work with first-year SRNAs, which is really, really helpful. Just this week, I was talking with one of our really experienced CRNAs, and she she called herself a sub. Uh, she stepped into the OR once someone had called out sick, so she ended up working with one of our first-year SRNAs. And this is someone who, she's a DRNA who wants to get into education long-term. And she was, again, just like freshly shocked at the difference between working with a first-year brand new SRNA versus an experienced SRNA. It's a different skill set from the CRNA. It, it takes a different mentality to go back to the basics and explain things in a concrete way that's sequential and layers skills and complexities. So if you can find a cadre of CRNAs that are really passionate and motivated to work with brand new SRNAs that can help, but really anywhere along in their pathway, Jennifer, to what you said is probably helpful if they're working with a small group of people. Uh, and then, and then your yeah. last, your last comment about like, we're all in this together. Like we're all, my mom has this saying, shout out to grandma Gail, uh, that we're all just walking each other home. And at the end of the day, we're all moving in the same direction, which is we're learning how to take care of patients. We're learning how to take care of each other. And if we can create an environment that is supportive and facilitates success in our learners, it's only going to be good for our profession. Oh, I could not agree more. I mean, I think everybody I know wants the same thing. You know, we want to be patient. We want to be safe. We all love anesthesia and these hiccups along the way, anything we can do to facilitate supportive learning environments and all of this positivity. I mean, it really, really does have a tremendous effect on our clinical learning progression. And as I said, I have I have lived through a year and a half of it, and I've definitely found that I can spend a month with fantastic supportive preceptors, and I feel like my clinical learning just skyrockets. And on the other side of the coin, if I'm in a situation where I feel more uncomfortable or stressed or unsupported, it really does, it just affects the bigger picture. And I think... Some of those things you said are fantastic. Anything we can do to support each other is it's priceless. And I think that's always where the most effective learning and which leads to safe, proficient anesthesia practice. That's that's where that comes from. 
That's awesome. Well, Jennifer, this has been a, a wonderful conversation. I'm, I'm so glad to have it with you. But it's not just a podcast. You're also doing a study associated with your DMP project. So you've got a survey that you want to mention. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I would love to. So being that the preceptor, preceptee dynamic is just such an incredibly important part of our journey towards independent practice, I have focused my DMP project on this dynamic. So there is a survey attached. And what I'm looking for are both student and CRNA, your experiences on precepting being precepted, what qualities have been very helpful to you, what qualities might have been a little more challenging for you to deal with. So the survey really is about what have your experiences been, what's worked for you, what hasn't. The survey is completely voluntary. Uh, it's anonymous. It is just about trying to do everything we can to make our preceptor, preceptee learning dynamic as efficient and supportive as we can make it. So I Thank you. And it's anybody who would like to fill the survey out. I would tremendously appreciate it. I will be back on the podcast to discuss the results at a later date. And I can't thank all of you enough for the time listening to the podcast and filling out the survey if you're willing to do so. So thank you so much. Awesome. Well, Jennifer Hyden, good luck as you wrap up your DMP project at University of Arizona. I know you're excited to get this wrapped up and move on towards boards and crossing over to the other side to be a CRNA. So congratulations on where you are. And we look forward to hearing the results of the survey. Thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate it. And thank you to everybody who's listened. What up, y'all? I wanted to drop a reminder that if you're a CRNA looking for a great team to invest yourself in your career in, check us out at Maine Medical Center in Portland, Maine. While the clinical opportunities would challenge you and the location is one of the best, our people and sense of community are truly what set us apart. Reach out if you want to learn more.